0: one day Satan, the Bible tells us, went to God, and uh, Satan said that the only reason that Job was a good man, not only was he rich, but he was a good man, the Bible says. And uh, the reason, he says that he's a good man, the reason that he praises you and was, is because God is good to, to him. And God gave him sons and daughters and, and cows and sheep and lots of animals, and Satan asked God if he can test Job. God said, yes, but don't kill him. The first test that Satan puts Job through was to take away all of his animals, killing his servants with the animals, killing all of his sons and all of his daughters as they were eating together. And even though Satan did all of these things to Job, Job did not curse God, and so he passed the first test. Satan and the uh, went to go and meet with God again. And like before, he talked about how good you know, Job was and, and um, God talked about how good he was and Satan said, Job will curse you if you make him sick. He did about the worst thing that, that could have ever happened to Job and that was take away his children. But then, then he comes at his health, probably about the second worst thing that could happen. And Satan inflicts Job with sores all over his body, and even his wife says, curse God and die. She sees him in pain, sees him in agony. And Job told her that if if he said that, then he'd be a foolish man. That'd be a foolish thing to do to say, uh, to curse God. And Job passed that test. Then we see his friends Eliphaz, Zophar, and Bildad. They come and they share their, uh, their words with him. They try to comfort him. But then they start to think about all that Job's gone through with losing everything, all of his wealth, all of his children, losing his health. And uh, they think maybe Job is a bad guy because of a lot of the things that are happening to him. Maybe he did something wrong. Maybe, Job, maybe you're not really all that that good of a person because of all that you're going through. And so Job is so discouraged and he's devastated about his circumstances that he is literally longing himself to die. Uh, Job chapter 3, verse 1. And if you would, let's stand out of the respect of God's word just for a second here. We'll read 12 verses and we'll get this uh, sermon going here with some scripture. The Bible says, After this opened uh, Job his mouth and cursed his day. And Job spake and said, Let the day perish wherein I was born. And the night in which it was said, There is a man-child conceived, let that day be darkness. Let not God regard it from above, neither let the light shine upon it. Let darkness and the shadow of death stain it. Let a cloud dwell upon it. Let the blackness of the day terrify it. "'As for that night, let darkness seize upon it. "'Let it not be joined into the days of the year. "'Let it not come into the number of the months. "'Lo, let that night be solitary. "'Let no joyful voice come therein. "'Let them curse it that curse the day "'who are ready to raise up their morning. "'Let the stars of the twilight therefore be dark. "'Let let it look for light but have none. "'Neither let it see the dawning of the day "'because it shut not up the doors of my mother's womb "'nor hid sorrow from mine eyes.' Why died I not from the womb? Why did I not give up the ghost when I came out of the belly? Why did the knees prevent me? Or why the breast that I should suck? He's saying here that I wish I had never been born. This is a dark time of depression, and some have gone through that. Some in this room have experienced that. If not, if not, uh, most in this room have experienced something like that where you said, I wish I had never been born because of how difficult your life became and, and what you were going through at that time and maybe what you're going through right now. And this is, a, this is something I want to just talk about just for a minute. We're, we're in the same theme of fear and looking at fear thou not. And I just want to look at uh, this for just a moment. Thursday night, we did talk about a few mental health things Uh, But today I want to look at depression. But at the end of the sermon, I hope we can all say God is good and God is always right. And God is, God, what he does is is always right. So let's pray. Father, I pray that you bless the reading of your word. Speak to us now. I pray that your servant would be used of you, Lord. I pray that you'd help me to get out of the way and allow you to work. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would be seated. He said, basically, why was I born? Why am I alive to suffer? God could have taken me before I had to go through this. Then you get down to verse number 20 and he says there, wherefore is light given to him that is in misery and life unto the bitter in soul. The word light there in verse 20 is a reference to life and this verse is now part of Job's complaint. He said God is keeping me alive even though I want to be dead. I don't want to live but God is giving me life. God is allowing me to continue to have light. Verse 21, the Bible says, which long for death but it cometh not and dig it dig for it more than for hid treasures. He's looking for, for just a way out of this pain that he's experiencing. And in verse 22, which rejoice exceedingly and are glad when they can find the grave, why is light given to a man whose way is hid and whom God hath hedged in? For my sign cometh before I eat and my roarings are poured out like the waters. Job felt God had surrounded him with a high wall, a hedge, keeping him from, from going into death. God was, not, God was preventing him, so he could not move freely. Job asked, why light should be given to such a man, somebody that just wants to die? Why are you allowing me to live? Why should I not be permitted the, the, the uh, freedom to just die? That would be far better in his mind. I believe Job was experiencing a severe uh, severe depression. He's going through anguish and turmoil in his mind and in his emotions. And Christians can go through depression. Christians can Christians go through dark times. And I believe that all of us experience depression and all of us experience uh, low times in our life, first of all, just because we live in a cursed world. We live in a world full of problems. And many times people will direct their a- anger at God and say, Well, God, it's your fault. But my friend, every problem in this world is because of man's sin. Every problem in this world. We can blame God all we want, but that doesn't make it reality. The truth is that God created this world and he said it was good. And then with Adam and Eve's sin, that's where the curse came in. Because of one man's sin, the Bible says death passed upon all men, and so we're suffering because of man. And then because of uh, the sin curse, it is only compounded. Not only are we under a curse, not only are we suffering because of Adam's sin, but then all of the others that have been born since that time, all of us together, because we're all one human family, There's not many races. It's one human race. We're all brothers and sisters in the human family, and we are doing to each other. You might say, well, uh, that person over there or that person over there that's doing these evil things, they're not my brother. They're not my sister. But in reality, we are all related because of Adam and Eve, and we are doing these things to each other. We're suffering because of man's sin. And so simply, first of all, we will suffer from depression because we live in a world full of sin. In John 16, 33, even Christians suffer because of not only living in this world, but because Jesus is our the one that we're following. He suffered. He went through tribulation. But he says, in the world ye shall suffer, or ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. And that's where we need to run to. So many people are running to to drugs or alcohol, or they're running to some relationship or something new, exciting, they run to the store and, and maybe a new car or new clothes or something They say, I need that because that's gonna, that's gonna deal with the, the thing that I'm feeling. That's gonna heal my depression. Or maybe they need counseling or, or something like that. And all of those things can maybe uh, help, but those are temporary fixes for a permanent problem. And only Jesus can solve that problem. When we run to the word of God and through prayer and through submitting to the word and the Holy Spirit's work in our life, he can begin to heal some of those things that are we're struggling with. Uh, John 16, he says, you're gonna suffer, but, but be of good cheer, there is hope. Uh, I think of Moses in the Bible. He became so depressed, he asked God to kill him. Elijah, a mighty prophet of God, saw a great victory. Uh, But he ran from Queen Jezebel, and by the way, I probably run from her too. But he sat down under a juniper tree, and he he asked God that he might die. Think of Jonah. After God called him to preach to the city of Nineveh, he went there, and to these wicked, wicked people who had had persecuted and killed uh, uh, Jonah's uh, people, the Israelites... And uh, yet he is called there, and he ran from God initially, but finally, after being swallowed by the whale and puked up onto the, uh, onto the dry ground, and he went, and he said, finally, I guess I better just do what God told me to do. And he goes and he preaches, and the whole city repents from the king on down. And what is Jonah's response? He goes and he has a pity party, and he says, why don't you just take away my life, God? Jonah struggled. Paul said uh, he despaired even of life. Charles Spurgeon, uh, here in modern times, a few years ago now in the 19th century, but he was known as the Prince of Preachers, leading a large and influential ministry in London, England. The Metropolitan Tabernacle had over 50 ministries to orphans and those in the community that were poor and needy. And uh, he had 10,000 people coming to his services. They were having to turn people away because they couldn't fit them into the church. He was a man of wit and warmth. Uh, One of the the, uh, just most prolific authors of his day people were clamoring to hear his sermons and with all of this uh, everyone that has written a biography about Charles Spurgeon has stated there were times when Spurgeon would get into fits of deep despondency and depression so many times people will chase after success and they'll say if I, if I can do this or that or if, if I could just be uh, used of the Lord that will take away all of my depression that's not true That's not true. We're all going to suffer. We're all going to go through things. And you're in good company if you do. God allows Christians to go through valleys of depression, not only because we live in a cursed world, but secondly, because we have a need for brokenness, and God wants us to become totally dependent upon him. Number three, we need to also build compassion. How can we have compassion on those that are struggling, those that are going through valleys and, 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 and through hard times and are suffering if we ourselves don't understand what they're going through? Some of the most hollow words that people can say is, I know what you're going through when they really don't know what we're going through, right? I mean, I've been pastoring for a long time, hard to believe almost 10 years, and I have... Very, very few times have said, I know what you're going through because that sounds so hollow. I mean, I heard it at a funeral a year ago and I said, no, you don't. I heard somebody say it. I said, no, you don't. In my heart. I didn't say it to them, but they were up there speaking and uh, trying to, they were trying to bring comfort. This was not a pastor. This was a politician. And of course, you know, we all understand they lie, but, um, and uh, he said, family, I know what you're going through. I'm like, no, you don't probably should, should learn how to talk to people that are grieving because unless you really do know what somebody's going through, and even those that know what somebody's going through, they very rarely say that. Sometimes the best thing to do is to say nothing but just to be present and just to be a listening ear. But sometimes we, we go through these things. God allows us to go through things because uh, we need to build compassion, and that is born out of experiencing similar problems. And Jesus knows what we're going through. He's been there. Hebrews 4.15 tells us that Jesus is not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He's not somebody that's up here above the fray and has never experienced anything up in some ivory tower and just, you know, uh, speaking platitudes. No, Jesus came to earth. God became A man John 1 14 the word which is Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us he lived here he suffered he experienced life and the Bible says that we this is the kind of high priest that we have he understands what we've gone through but he was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin he's been there for us why so we can also be there for other people 2nd Corinthians chapter 1 verse 3 2 Corinthians 1, 3, I'll just read this verse. "'Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, "'the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, "'who comforteth us in our tribulation, "'that we may be able to comfort them "'which are in any trouble by the comfort "'wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God.'" The key to uh, receiving a blessing in your life, my friend, is to open up the channel of blessing out of your life into someone else's. Because as you give to others, God continues to pour into your life. And He says, I'm going to continue comforting you in your struggles and in your hard times and in your depression as you are helping others. So many times we come to church and we fold our hands and we, our arms and we say, All right. And we kind of sit in the pew and say, I made it. Now I can get what I need. But my friend, I hope that God gives you what you need and inspires you and encourages you through the word of God and through the fellowship of the church. But one of the greatest ways to get what you need is to start giving to others. Being encouragement to other people. And again, I caution you, don't just come up to someone and say, I know what you're going through. And, uh, or don't say, I'm praying for you, brother. Some of the greatest things that, the greatest thing you can do is just stop right there and just say, can I pray with you right now? And just be an encouragement to somebody in the moment. God works through us, and by the way, we get blessed on the way, and there's nothing, uh, by the way, more painful than suffering that seems to be wasted and seems to be without purpose, but I'm telling you right now, the things that you're going through are not wasted. God says, I wanna take all of the trials that you're experiencing, and I wanna bless you in the end. I wanna shape and mold you into being uh, more like Jesus, as Romans 8, 28 and 29 says, but all all of that, is not wasted because you can help somebody else with that. Your experience, your suffering, your loss in your life is going to turn out to be a blessing to you as you allow the Lord to use it. And some of you have experienced that. You know exactly what I'm talking about. One of the other reasons that we suffer and go through depression and tough times and difficulties, and not, I understand that there's, there definitely is mental illness, and sometimes these, can, these areas can be a little muddy, uh, but we talked about this Thursday night, just as a caveat, and uh, saying that sometimes medication uh, used in the right way may be helpful, and maybe that's what's needed. but. I'm telling you that God allows us to go through things, not for us to run to pills or run to some other issue, but to go to the Lord and say, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. He is not our spare tire. He needs to be our steering wheel. Go to the Lord for help. But one of the reasons, lastly here, that we're going through suffering is that we would be purified and uh, the test of faith. First Peter, I know I'm reading a lot of scripture today. We'll get back to Job here in a second, but first Peter chapter one, verse six, Wherein we greatly, ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold or many temptations, trials, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Your suffering is not wasted. It is to purify you. And to make you more like Jesus to purify the gold God is allowing that trial to uh, he allows that so that it can uh, remove like a fire will purify gold to remove dross to remove all of the impurities in our life Job chapter 23 Job says the exact same thing that's why we're going down this road after all of his suffering after he realizes what the Lord is doing in his life Job chapter 23 Verse number 10, he says, but he knoweth, speaking of God, Job, this is Job, but he knoweth the way that I take. God knows my path. God knows why I went through this. God allowed it to happen. He knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Job despaired of his own life. He wasn't thinking correctly because of all that happened. Barnes says that uh, it wasn't just the greatness of Job's loss, but it was because everything happened all at once. He hears about his, all of his cattle in his wealth, then he hears about his children, and then God allows his health to go. But we go back to Job chapter 3, verse number 25. And here he says, For the thing which I greatly feared is come upon me, And that which I was afraid of is come unto me. I was not in safety, neither had I rest, neither was I quiet, yet trouble came. He didn't have any time to even process what he was going through. You may say, how is that of God? Why would God allow him to go through such temptation? God was there with him. God was helping him. First three chapters start out pretty rough, but as he progresses... Job's eyes are opening up as to understanding the purpose behind what he was going through. He said, The thing I greatly feared is come upon me. Did you know that the thing that you the thing that you worry about happening may happen to you because you worry about it. Fear can be a magnet to attract things that we dread the most. You can worry yourself into problems. Many things that we worry about, by the way, very rarely does anything ever happen. A philosopher once said My life has been full of terrible misfortunes, most of which have never happened. We spend our life worrying about things that don't happen. But it is true that many of the things we worry about never come to pass, but it's also true that our worry can cause some things to come to pass that would not have come to pass had we not spent so much time worrying about them. Have you ever gotten behind somebody as you're driving in your car down Howell Avenue or 27th Street or Howard or one of the uh, Capitol Drive or one of these major streets, and uh, you get behind them and they're driving, they, they approach every traffic light expecting it to turn red, I mean, it's a green light, and they slow down. And by the way, it could be because of either, A, the potholes that we have in our city, or B, the reckless driving that we experience. And hopefully we are not the ones doing the reckless driving. Sometimes I feel like I'm a little borderline on, on a, the aggressive side of driving. But, but sometimes, we, even at a green light, people will slow down and look both ways because we're not so sure somebody might just run the red light. Some of you experienced that. I've seen that happen myself. But, but if you get behind somebody and they're anticipating the green light turning red and they're just always slowing down and it's green uh, and getting ready for it to turn red, and sure enough, every single time it turns red, kind of like us, when we live that way, we can uh, telegraph trouble. We can say, oh, I, uh, this, this is gonna happen. This is going to happen. I, I, I know people like this, even in our church. I love them to death, but they're, they're always, you know, that pessimist. And they're, oh, you pastor, it's going to snow. You know, Brother Larry got up this morning and said, oh, I'm looking forward. I think he said Wednesday, it's going to be in the 50s, right? Well, it's going to, it's not going to last. It's not going to last. Now, he didn't say that. You, you wait till next week. We're going to have a blizzard. We at least have two or three good blizzards before we get spring. And we don't really have spring. It's just an extended winter. That's all we get. And then we don't really have summer because that's road construction. So we don't get four seasons. You know, you, you live with that. It really eats away at your spirit. <clears throat> the devil wants us to live that way. <clears throat> Anticipating trouble, barring from tomorrow's problems, The devil wants us to be afraid and intimidated, but fear is not of the Lord. I want you to turn to 2 Timothy because I want you to highlight this verse in your Bible. 2 Timothy 1, verse 7. If you're walking in the spirit of fear, you cannot have the joy that God wants us to have. 2 Timothy 1, verse 7. New Testament. Paul says, for God hath not given us. Speaking of us who are believers, we are supposed to be people of faith, trusting the Lord. He says, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. When we are living in fear, we cannot think straight. Our mind shuts down. I mean, we go into code black. You know, we, we can't function. What's going on? We can't work, we can't live, we can't sleep, we can't enjoy family time because we're, we're anticipating something bad happening. And yes, trials will come, we're gonna suffer, we're gonna go through things, but we're, we're borrowing from tomorrow's problems by worrying about everything that may or may not happen. And sometimes <clears throat> we do that, don't we? I'm walking in fear. I can't have the joy of the Lord. I can't share my faith. I can't tell other people about how great God is. Three quick points. Number one, don't be afraid to trust God in his word. Job chapter 13. Go back with me if you would. Job 13. Job trusted God in his word. Job's response to the worst trials that anyone could ever go through, because I don't think anyone's got Job beat. Maybe you do. Maybe you have some story or anecdote you can share with me after church. But, I mean, Job had it all happen. Not, Not only did he have it all happen, it all happened like that. Verse number 15, Job 13, 15, he says, though he slay me, speaking of God, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. I think of the three Hebrew children in the fiery furnace, Nebuchadnezzar, they get thrown into the fiery furnace, and uh, what happened? Well, they didn't die. Jesus was with them in the fire, but they weren't gonna back down. They weren't gonna give in to this wicked king's command to, uh, to bow down to this, this idol and bow down before the image, and they said, it doesn't matter. We're gonna do the right thing, and there they go into the fiery furnace, and God was with them. They get Daniel gets thrown into the lion's den, but God was with him. And so many times, so many times, we see in the Bible where our faith, or someone in the Bible, their faith was tested, just like Job. And Job says, it doesn't matter what God does to me, it doesn't matter if Satan slays me, or if God slays me, or whoever, it doesn't matter, I'm gonna still trust the Lord, I'm going to trust him. It's tough to be in a battle in a dark place. But don't be afraid to trust God. Don't doubt in the darkness what God has revealed to you in the light. He knows where you are. You don't need to be afraid to trust him. Sometimes we go through trials that are so hard to bear. But Jesus is with us. We go through difficult days. We're tempted to accuse God. I think of William Carey, and I'll finish with a quick illustration here. But William Carey, one of the first missionaries in modern history, back in 1793, he went to India. He was, a, he was not encouraged to go. He was discouraged, if anything, by Christians. But he went there from England, and he labored in that country for 40 continuous years. He never came back. Back in that day, missionaries did not come back every four or five years. They packed all of their worldly possessions into coffins, and they would ship them to where they were going, planning never to return. Basically, the departing party was a funeral party. But that was William Carey. He spent 40 years in India, and uh, he was a brilliant linguist. He translated portions of scripture into a dozen Indian languages. And one afternoon, a fire raged through his printing uh, plant, and all of his printing equipment was destroyed. And most tragically, most of his manuscripts of the scriptures, 20 years of work, went up in in flames in one day. And listen to the words which William Carey wrote to his pastor friend Andrew Fuller in England. He said, the ground must be labored over again, but we are not discouraged. We have all been supported under the affliction and uh, and preserved from discouragement. To me, the consideration of the divine sovereignty and the wisdom has been very supporting, and I endeavor to improve this, our affliction, last Lord's Day from Psalm 46, verse 10, which says, be still know that I am God. And Carry wrote, I principally dwelt upon two ideas. Number one, God has sovereign right to dispose of us as he pleases. Number two, we ought to acquiesce in all that God does with us and to us. And uh, I found this interesting at a particular low point in Carrie's life, perhaps after this fire. He was said to have made this declaration. And you've heard this quote, I'm sure, before. But he said, the future is as bright as the promises of God. The future, and and somebody said, well, Adoniram Judson said that quote, but, well, we don't know who said it, but William Carey most likely said it, because William Carey's son went on to work with Adoniram Judson, so I'm sure that Adoniram Judson just adopted the quote, because he went through a lot of suffering as well. But the future, your future, is as bright as the promises of God. Don't be afraid to trust the Lord. Number two, don't be afraid uh, to, uh, of public opinion. Think about the people that were encouraging Job. He didn't, he didn't have any encouragement. His wife, his friends. And, and, and we can suffer from fear of what others think. We can be intimidated by this humanistic, pagan world that we're living in. Even if you mention Jesus and you're not cussing, if you mention the name Jesus and you just say it in a positive light, you're gonna get either flogged or canceled. So you're gonna get persecuted in, <laughs> in this world. But don't be afraid of public opinion. We need to realize that there's a judgment day coming. For th- God is merciful. God doesn't want to send anybody to hell. But there's a judgment day coming. We can't just live in God's mercy and say, well, he hasn't struck us down yet, so he must be doing something right. If you're going against scripture, then you're not. And this world is rejecting God. They're rejecting the Bible. They're rejecting Jesus. God is brokenhearted, saying, I sent Jesus to die on the cross for the world. I care about everybody, and they're rejecting me but we, we, it's not time for us to tiptoe around the truth. And I say, well, that's, that message is not really nice, Pastor. I'm sorry that the truth offends, but if a doctor has, has the truth, even if it's offensive, he better tell me the truth. We have that same obligation, if not a greater obligation, because we're dealing not with a physical body, but, spiritu- but, but souls. These are spiritual things. They're, they're eternal things. buy my place here again i'm almost done but don't be afraid of public opinion Th- thirdly don't be afraid to praise god we see in job job praised god in chapter one go back to Je- job chapter one verse 20 I believe this is the right verse but the bible says then job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head fell down upon the ground and worshiped. And he said, naked came I out of my mother's womb and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord, amen? And so uh, the lesson of Job teaches that our first response should be to worship God, to worship him. After the first wave of loss, Job praised God. And in the end, if you go to Job chapter 42, I don't need you to turn there, you can if you want, but Job chapter 42, uh, the Bible tells us in the end that God blessed him more than he had before, and it would be easy to see how Job could have praised God at the end when he restores everything to him, but all the way back in chapter 1, Job says, Blessed be the name of the Lord. What what a, a man he was. We don't have to know why, we don't have to understand. Job didn't know why, Job didn't have any understanding. We just simply say, God, I praise you. You say, well, pastor, I don't feel like praising God. Well, of course you don't. But I don't, because you don't understand. You might say, I don't really feel like it. But we we should thank God in everything. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And you might be saying, well, pastor, I'm not thankful for everything. And I'm not trying to get too technical here, but I did hear anecdotally, I heard a story about a pastor's wife who was suffering from severe depression, suicidal depression, just struggling, It, it, it probably was stemming from postpartum and other things that were going on, and just, just not wanting to read the Bible, not wanting to go to the scriptures, and... Her dad sent her this verse, 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Later checked up on her and and she looked totally different. She was out of bed. Had been, you know, not able to get out of bed for weeks. Just struggling. Just looked like she normally looked before she was struggling. He said, What happened? And she said, praise the Lord. She said, it doesn't say for everything. She said, in everything. She's like, I, I couldn't be thankful for all that. But you know, later on, she was thankful for how it brought her to the Lord and as she went through all that. But she said, it says, in everything give thanks. I might not be thankful for the trial, I might be happy about what I'm going through, but in the trial, in the the horrible circumstance, in the feelings that I'm feeling, in all of this, he says, give thanks, for this is the will of God. God's will is that we would simply praise him, move beyond our feelings into faith. If you're not careful, You're going to lose your joy you just walk outside and you'll you'll experience some of the things that are out in this world and you see all the things that are out in this world and chase after the things that are out in this world you will lose your joy you're going to lose your joy because it's not in the world that we find blessing it is in understanding our created purpose god created man so that we could have fellowship with him and he wants our love. He wants praise. He wants that real uh, fellowship from, a, from our heart, that we would exercise our free will. God didn't make us robots. I mean, God could have just made robots, but he didn't want that. God wants us to choose to love him and choose to praise him. And even in going through those trials because of the cursed world that we live in, because of sin, because of uh, the fact that we need to go through these things. Why? Because they make us more like Jesus, but in spite of all of the suffering, in spite of all of that, when we just say, Lord, I don't understand why, but I'm still gonna trust you. I'm gonna move beyond my feelings right now, and I'm gonna just act in faith and say, in everything, I'm gonna just give you thanks. Later on, we'll figure it all out, because it will all be revealed to us someday. The Bible says that in heaven, everything's gonna be clear. Right now, it's it's cloudy. Right now, we don't know, understand everything. It's like a, a lens. You can kind of see an outline, maybe on a screen, if you've got a digital camera, but you bring that lens into focus, guess what? And you're like, oh, that's not what I thought it was. <laughs> and uh, that's clear now. You see exactly the picture that's that is being taken, right? Not just some some cloudy image, but that's how our life is. Right now, we're looking at this trial, we're looking at depression, we're saying, what in the world is going on? Why do I feel this way? Why am I going through this? It doesn't make sense, but God says, just trust me. Trust me, live in faith, and do, do the right things. By the way, we can't be living just however we wanna live and somehow say, well, God, bless this mess. Trust the Lord, obey the Lord. God is merciful, God's the God of second chance. You say, well, I've already messed up. It's too late for me. No, God says, I want to restore you. I want, that's part of his plan. That's part of it. But we gotta submit to him. We can't just say, well, God, you get on my schedule and you figure out what I wanna do and you do my will. No, God says, do my will. But as we are doing on the journey, on the way, as we're doing what God wants us to do and we're obeying him, he says, I'm gonna bring some of this more into focus. All of this suffering, all of this hardship, it's, it's gonna start making some sense. But someday in heaven, it will all make sense. It will all make sense. Be thankful. In everything, give thanks. People at work ought to hear you say, thank you, Lord. By the way, just start by saying thank you to those that are in your family. <laughs> say thank you to those that do things for you. You, know, you go to go to uh, the coffee shop, go to Dunkin' or Starbucks or whatever coffee shop you want to go to here. We've got lots of them in the city, Anodyne, Collectivo, and whatever else is here in Bayview. You, you go there, and they give you your coffee. Don't just grunt at them. Say, thank you. I'm not saying you have to tip them, okay, because I think that's ridiculous. You know, pay $6 for a coffee, and now you want to tip on top of that? And uh, but, but why don't we just say, thank you. Reintroduce that back into society. Please and thank you. Teach your kids that. You know, kids... Grandma gives them a Christmas present. Mm. Birthday present. Mm. Yeah. Thank you, Grandma. All the grandmas said amen. And, uh, but, but guess what? You can't tell your kids to do something that you're not doing yourself. That's hypocrisy. But may we start to just have a heart of gratitude for things, just the simple things. And then, wow, I was able to take a breath of air. Thank you, God. For that glass of water, I used to see my, my grandpa used to pour a glass of water from the tap, and he'd pray over it. Maybe I should start doing that. I, you know, He was just thankful for everything, but he, was, he would literally stop and say a prayer over the water. Boy, that's convicting. Just close up and have an invitation right there. But be thankful in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God. In Christ Jesus, concerning you, Amen. and me, all of us, and, and be thankful. People should hear us say, "Praise the Lord!" They they mock they mock us. Oh yeah, those are those you know, those are those Bible uh, Bible thumpers over there. You know, the, you know the praise the Lord. And there's a lot of garbage out on TV of of just fake Christianity and fake all of the stuff that goes on. Gives 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 the christians a bad name i guess but i'm not worried about all that but what i'm saying is yeah there's plenty of material of of people making fun of things but why don't we just genuinely from our hearts say thank you lord and and say a prayer people should see us bow our head and give god thanks thank you god not just for the food but thank you that i'm able to chew this food amen (laughs) Somebody ought to give God some praise and glory this morning. Somebody ought to praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I thank you for your word. I pray that you bless. Lord, help us to move from faith to, from fear to faith. Lord, help us to live in faith, not to be controlled by, oh, I, I don't know what's going to happen. This bad thing, anything could happen, Lord. Anything could happen. Help us not to live, live controlled by these this horrible thing called fear. It's a, it's a tool that this, the devil uses in our life. May we not be crippled and out of commission. But God, help us to start by just saying thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for that breath of air. Thank you to be able to even chew the food. Thank you for that glass of water. Thank you for the simple things. Thank you for the things that we all take for granted. God, thank you. I pray that you'd help us this morning.